Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. So excited today. You guys get to hear from my good friend, Desmond Cook. We met about uh, a decade ago, but the last few years, man, we've really become good friends. He is the chaplain of the Miami Dolphins. Come on, somebody. So let's start praying for miracles right now. We're getting better every year. It's because of Desmond. Y'all don't know this behind the scenes. His preaching is really making an impact. No, anyway, I love this guy. He will never tell you this, but he has reached so many young lives here in South Florida, the different things that he does. Uh, he, might, he might share some of that, but just an incredible ministry impact here in South Florida. Every time he comes and uh, preaches, teaches here, it's such a deposit. I heard the sermon in the 10 a.m. Y'all going to love it. So would you put your hands together and welcome my good friend, Desmond Cook, and let's go, let's go this morning. I like movies, yes. And this is a scene from like Rocky 28, and you know, there's been a lot of them. Uh, but one of the things I love about that particular scene, but it's also something I like through a lot of movies of, of this particular genre, is there, there is this pattern, right, where, you know, the, the, the protagonist, the good guy, he seems like he's down, like he's out. And then somewhere, somehow, all of a sudden, he has just enough to overcome the situation. And I love this particular scene because it looked like it was over. It looked like it was a wrap. I mean, so much so that the enemy was heading back towards the limo. And then all of a sudden, Rocky gets up and he says, I ain't hear no bell. All right, he probably flunked English. One more round. That's to talk the title of today's message, One More Round. Because much like this particular scene, I think we've, we've all been in a place where we've been down. Whether it's because of an enemy, maybe it's because of our own malfeasance. Like we find ourselves in a situation where it looks like all hope is gone. But here's the point of today's message, and, and as we go to the Lord and pray, I pray that he reveals this to us, reveal this, reveals this to us through the life of Samson, that as long as we still have breath in our lungs, as long as we have blood flowing through our veins, as long as he's woken us up one more morning, that means the bell hasn't rung yet. We have one more round. Father, as we come to you right now, we just want to hear from you. We, we need to hear from you. And so I simply ask God, like, whatever awaits us outside of these four walls, Lord, let it stay there. Let our minds and our hearts be focused on your word and your word alone. God, hide me behind your cross so that we may all hear from you. For we know that the hearing of your word will lead to the living of your word. And that is our desire, Lord. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're coming out of the book of Judges. And the, the book of Judges, <laughs> it's a bloody book, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, this, this isn't like the, the Sunday school fairy tale type stuff where you, we're accustomed to reading about all the love that's in the air. No, this, this is a messed up book. And here's why it's messed up. The people of Israel have this pattern, this practice of how they do life. You're disobedient to the Lord. In that disobedience, you face the consequences of that disobedience. And as you're undergoing the consequences of that disobedience, man, you're like, Lord, God, if you, if you just get me through this, Father, Lord, if you let that test be negative. <laughs> I don't know what time it says. I'm just saying. I'm talking about COVID. I'm talking about COVID. So, <laughs> Lord, if you get me through this, I promise 
I'll never do it again. And, and God being a faithful God, God being a merciful God, he, he delivers. This was a pattern of the people of Israel in the book of Judges. It's been a pattern of the people of Israel all throughout the Old Testament. And if we're honest with ourselves, it's a pattern that we experience in our own lives. So as we open to Judges chapter 13, if you have your Bible or Bible app, follow along. And, you know, we're going to skip over a whole bunch of spots. You read it for yourselves. There's a homework assignment. I believe Pastor Matt's going to quiz you on it next week. <laughs> uh, Judges chapter 13. It opens like this. And the people of Israel, again, they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. I told you, there's a pattern. <laughs> it's notable that the word again is there. It's like the writer of, of the book of Judges, like, man, they don't need it again. Once again, they've done what was evil in the eyes of the Lord, and so the consequence, he gives them to the hands of the Philistines, 40 years. As you skip through, we begin to learn about our protagonist. What we know is, again, God been faithful to his people, to his promises. He's going to raise up a deliverer for the people of Israel. And so this particular deliverer is going to be Samson. And here's what we know about Samson. It tells us in verse 5, For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. So we've discussed the pattern of Israel, and now we're going to get into the promise. right? We have the promise of God that I'm going to deliver my people. And so I'm going to raise up Samson to be that deliverer. We have the promise from his mother to God that I'm going to dedicate my child to you. He's going to be a Nazarite. And what that means is more than just a, a not allowing a razor to touch your head. It also means you can't touch the fruit of the vine. No grapes, no grape products, no welches, no wine, right? But also no dead things. You, you are not to touch any uh, dead things, no carcasses. But I say all this because I want you to hold that. Remember what his mother is dedicated to the Lord. That my son is going to be this specific type of person that won't put a razor to his head, that won't touch the fruit of the vine, that won't touch any dead thing. This is the covenant she entered into. And by the time you get to the beginning of chapter 14, it all rolls downhill from there. Because now, chapter 14, Samson's a grown man. And what we're going to see in the life of Samson, sadly, there's a probably a little bit of him in our own lives. Chapter 14 opens up, and he goes down to Timnah. And at Timnah, he sees one of the daughters of the Philistines. And he's like, yo, I got to have that one. Now, if you know anything about the Old Testament law, like, no, that, that, that's a no-go. You, know, you do not intermarry with all these outside groups. But what did it say? It said, for she is right in my eyes. Ooh. See, this is where our problem begins even in our own lives. We do the things that are right in our own eyes. Samson, growing up in a household that he grew up in, he had to know what was right and what was wrong. And he didn't care because all that mattered what was right in his own eyes. Like That constant pattern of the people of Israel was they did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord, but they did because it was right in their own eyes. Samson's a wild boy. This, this entire narrative unfolds based on that one thing. 
He sees this woman that he shouldn't have. And then he winds up going somewhere he shouldn't be. The Bible tells us as he's making his way towards her town, he walks through the vineyard. Well, last I checked, he's, he's a Nazarite, which means he cannot touch the fruit of the vine. So why would you find yourself in the middle of a vineyard? So one of our other problems is it's not just that we do what's right in our own eyes, but we also find ourselves in places we have no place being. Like you look at the life of David. As beautiful as his life was, we, we all know about David and the Bathsheba and how that whole thing started. In the spring, when kings lead their armies into battle, and by the time you read that particular narrative, David was a king. It was spring, so he should be what? Leading his armies in battle. But he doesn't. He stays at the palace. He roams around the top of the palace, and he winds up seeing something he shouldn't see. And once he sees something he shouldn't see, he winds up doing something he shouldn't do, and then the rest went downhill from there. So here's Samson walking through the vineyard. But then what, what, what winds up happening is while he's walking in the vineyard, there's a lion leaps up at him. And then it tells us that the spirit of the Lord leapt into Samson. So you can see these two things happening simultaneously, right? The lion is jumping at, at Samson, but the spirit of the Lord jumps into him first. And because the spirit of the Lord jumped into Samson, he had the power to catch the lion midair, tear it in half, and keep on moving. Ultimately, he gets down to the town, you know, sees a woman of his dreams, proposes to her, marriage is on, he's heading back. And on his way back, he sees this, the carcass of that lion that he kills. And by that time, bees had already begun making honey inside the carcass. Now, look. There ain't nothing wrong with a little honey, right? We all, we all like some sweet things in our lives. And so the sweetness of the honey, the honey itself, that wasn't the problem. The problem was where the honey was. He's a Nazarite. He doesn't touch dead things. But he was so consumed with the lust of the sweetness of the honey that he still went and violated his covenant to God. We ourselves, we, we find ourselves in some of these situations. Like watching Netflix ain't, ain't bad by itself. It's, it's, it's the chill part that comes along with it, right? And so you know, what we wind up doing is we'll chase after that thing that we want so bad. We'll sin in the process of getting that thing. The thing itself wasn't necessarily sinful, but we will sin in order to get there. And so we can learn from the life of Samson, you know, like just because it's sweet don't mean it's sweet for you in that particular moment. So here he goes. Story progress, he continues. Seven-day wedding festival. Uh, Samson offers up a riddle to his, the 30 companions they give him, these Philistine companions. And, and that riddle, it went something like this. Out of the eater came something sweet. I'm sorry, out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Tells him, hey, if any of you all can figure this out by the end of this marriage week, then I will give you 30 linens. Now, he knows they'll never figure it out. But the people... You know, uh, that, the, the bride's people, they're like, hey, you one of us, girl. I need you to find out what the answer is. So every day she come up to him, Samson, you love me? Yeah, girl, you know, I love you. That's why I'm marrying you. She's like, well, what's the answer to the riddle? Man, look, my parents don't even know. Get out of here with that. Day two, Samson, do you love me? Girl, I told you I love you. Quit playing. And, and he goes on day after day after day. Finally, day seven, he's done. Fine. Look, this is the answer. She can't wait. She sprints back to her people, tells them the answer. They give him the answer. He's hot. And out of his rage, he goes down into town, kills 30 Philistine men, grabs their clothes, comes back, here you go. 
This all began because he did what was right in his own eyes. He's now killed people, and that was not what he was called for. He was called to deliver the people of Israel, but in God's way. But this whole narrative begins to just roll downhill off of that one thing. And so he leaves, come back in town at some particular point, and he's ready to go get his wife back. He's like, all right, I'm cool, I'm calm now, let me get my wife. Comes back into town. His father's like, yo, Samson, what you doing? Man, I'm coming to get my wife. What you doing? Oh, well, look, I thought you were still mad, and so, like, I gave her to one of the other companions. And so Samson, once again, in his rage, he goes into town. Uh, he goes out, grabs 300 foxes, ties torches to them, lights them on fire, sends them to the grain yard, <laughs> and destroys all of their grain. The people, in response to him, they go ahead and light the fire to his wife and to his father-in-law. And then he goes back and he kills another thousand. The Bible tells us he uses the jawbone. The spirit of the Lord leapt into him, and he killed a thousand Philistines in that particular moment. Uh, last I checked, in order to get a jawbone, that means that thing with the jaw probably needs to be dead. Samson's just sinning, <laughs> sinning on top of sinning. He keeps on doing the wrong thing, yet and still, we also keep seeing the Spirit of the Lord leapt into him. Hold on to that particular thought because I think we're going to begin to see Samson's problem. Story keeps on going. Once again, they try to kill him. The Spirit of the Lord jumps into him. He kills some more. Then by the time you get to chapter 16, it says he goes down to Gaza. There he sees a prostitute, and, and he went into her. And, you know, I'm not like a, a theologian. I'm not an expert on all 613 laws and prohibitions, but I got to figure sleeping with a prostitute probably violates something. And that's what Samson does once again. Move a little further. He sees this woman, Delilah, and he's like, yep, got to have her. Now, most of us know the, the, the tale of Delilah. Here's the point I want us to focus on, though. We've seen the pattern of the people of Israel. God is doing his part. He raises up a deliverer. But the problem is, even though Samson was dedicated to God by his mother, Samson himself wasn't dedicated to God. And I know we'll look at it and be like, yeah, but that's Samson. That's the book of Judges. That's like thousands of years ago. Like, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not raised up to be a deliverer. But don't you know that if you're a child of God, right, that, that you were bought with a ransom. And it wasn't money, like it was the blood of Jesus Christ. But he purchased you for a reason, right? He purchased you, and that reason is if you're still here, he still has a call for your life, a call to draw all men unto him. He says, go and make disciples. That's not just for Pastor Matt and other people that hold the mic up here. It's for everyone that's been saved by the blood of Jesus. Go, make disciples of all the nations. Jesus himself said, you are the light. You are the salt of the world. So all of us have been called to this walk, to this, to this call to be a deliverer of sorts. Some of us got a chance to be a deliverer in our own households. We got family members that don't know Jesus yet, that don't, that don't know the, the salvific uh, uh, sacrifice of Jesus. We have the opportunity by how we do life to answer the call that we've been called to. 
But here's Samson, a guy who was dedicated to the Lord by his mother, but he himself wasn't dedicated. And then all of a sudden, we also see this. We see this pervasive lifestyle of just sinning, violating the covenant, right? He marries this Philistine woman in chapter 14 because she seemed right in his own eyes. He walks through the vineyard in Judges 14 and 8. He touched the, car, uh, the, the carcass of the lion in, in uh, 14, 8 and 9. He took garments off of dead bodies in 14, verse 19. He used a donkey's jawbone to kill people, chapter 15, verse 15. He slept with a prostitute, chapter 16. And then we get to the Delilah narrative. People, the Philistine, man, they upset. This dude has been a nuisance to their people from the very beginning, and they got to get rid of him. Delilah, you're one of us. Remember who, where your loyalty is. You're one of us. Find out where his strength is so that we can go ahead and get rid of this nuisance once and for all. Now, ask yourself if this sounds familiar. She goes to Samson, baby, do you love me? Girl, of course I love you. Well, if you really loved me, you'd tell me, where's the source of your strength? And so, you know, for the first time, Samson's like, look, girl, look, if you get some fresh bow strings and you tie me up, I'll be normal. I'll be weak again. So sure enough, he goes to sleep. She ties him up with fresh bow strings. The Philistines are hiding in the closet. She's like, come on out. And, of course, as they come out the closet, she's like, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are here. Samson, the Bible tells us the Spirit of the Lord left him to him. He breaks free the bowstrings, whips up on the Philistines. So you can imagine next day, they're not too pleased with Delilah. Delilah, you playing this girl? So said, nah, I'm just telling what he told me. Yeah, I don't know. You know, look, we're going to give you another chance. Figure it out. So she goes back to him. Samson, yeah, what's up, baby? Samson. I thought you said you loved me. You got me looking crazy in front of my people. And I, I'm like, hold on. First of all, how did she turn this whole thing around? She's out there trying to kill her husband. And she don't flip the script on homeboy. And he falls for it. He's like, girl, look, I was just playing. I was just messing around. Look, I'll tell you. Here's what it is. If you get some fresh rope, tie me up. I'll lose all my strength. That next night, he goes to sleep. She ties him up with that fresh rope. Philistines hiding in the closet. She's like, come on out. They come out. Samson, Samson, the Philistines are here. And he's like, the, the spirit of the Lord leaps into him once again. He breaks free of the rope, whips up on the Philistines. Oh, this is twice in a row. You can imagine these folks are none too happy right now. So on that third time, they talk to him. Hey, look, girl, that's twice. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying, that's twice. She's like, I promise you, I'm going to get it. I'm going to figure it out. She goes to him a third time. Does the song, same song and dance. And then finally, the Bible tells us, man, he, like, she wears on him so much, he finally relents. And he's like, look, here's the deal. The source of my strength is actually my hair. You know, all right, you happy? Here's where I want to pause. Because what we've seen is, time and time again, Samson being disobedient, violating his own covenant. But we keep seeing the Spirit of the Lord leaping to Samson. And he's able to do these miraculous feats, right? Catch a lion in midair. I ain't never caught no lion. I, I really don't want to try. And, you know, like, <laughs> you know, you know he, he kills a thousand dudes with a jawbone. Like, he's done so many miraculous things. But his mistake was thinking that his ability to do it came from his hair. 
And I think some of us have a little Samson because we think, like, the stuff we do, that's the source of our power. That's the source of our ability to overcome these trials in our lives. Like, yo, I've been showing up to, to church every Sunday. I ain't miss at all. And we think that's the source of our power. Look, I'm at 713 days on version Bible app. Like, that's where my power comes from. Some of us think our power comes from how we dress at church. Because, like, look, I ain't like them. You know what I'm saying? Like, my shirt goes a certain length and the whole nine. I come dressed up like I'm supposed to. And we think all these little things we do are our source of power in the reality was it was never about Samson's hair. His hair was just emblematic of the covenant that was made to God, but his power came from the Spirit of God. That's where our power comes from. But the other thing that Samson fell victim to was thinking this. See, I did all these things wrong, but God kept protecting me. God kept delivering me. God kept rescuing me. He, God kept sourcing me. And Samson thought that God's mercy was a sign of God's endorsement. Like, we've been out here, let's be honest, man, we ain't been doing everything we're supposed to be doing. We don't watch some things we shouldn't have been watching. We've been some places we shouldn't have been. We don't had a little too much to drink. We don't slept with one, two. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't done a lot of things, and God has still spared us. And in his mercy, we think, well, you know what? He might be okay with my lifestyle. What we don't understand is it's his mercy to give. Like, we don't, we don't deserve his mercy. We couldn't earn his mercy. You know, I love Paul in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, we were dead in our sins and our trespasses. We were headed straight to hell. We were in bondage, slaves to the world, slaves to Satan, slaves to our own flesh. And then you get to verse 4, and this is where everything changes. It says, but God, being rich in mercy... With the great love with which he loved us. He's the reason we've been raised up. So it's by grace that you've been saved. It wasn't because of your perfect attendance. It's not because of your you version reading plan. It's not because of how well you dress or how conservative you vote. He says, no, it's by his grace that you've been saved. It's by his mercy that he raised you up when you were dead spiritually. And so Samson's problem is he's thinking one more time he's going to come through because he's always come through. And in that particular moment when the Philistines rushed out the closet and he's trying to break free of the bondage, the, the, uh, the things that were binding him, no more power. What the, the woman from Timnah and what Delilah did, that's what sin does to us when we tempt it, when we let it hang around. It wears on us. It wears on us. It wears on us. You know, some of us say, you say to ourselves, well, look, look, I'm not, I, I know I shouldn't do this. So I won't do that. Right? I'm, I, you know, I know I should, you know, practice sexual uh, purity. So, you know, I, I know what lines not to cross. But then what we do is we start to tempt ourselves, right? We put ourselves in these situations where we're bringing that significant other over like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 2 in the morning, and we do it time and time and time again, and then wonder why nine months later, all of a sudden, we out there shooting up blue and pink smoke. Like, how did that happen? Because <laughs> we keep tempting it. And it's one thing after the other. And what sin does, it wears on you. But even worse than wearing on you, at some point it finally catches up with you. It catches you. It binds you. As the Bible tells us what Samson, they came out there. They finally got him. They put him in the chains. They gouge out his eyes, and, the, and sin does that. It blinds you. It all of a sudden has you thinking some things that you once knew were wrong. Like, well, it's not 
probably not that bad. Like, I plan on marrying her eventually, so it's all good right now. But here's the beauty of the God that we serve, and this is why today's message was called One More Round. The story of Samson didn't end there. It didn't end with just his failure for the umpteenth time. It, wasn't, it didn't end with him facing the consequences of all of that failure. I love this particular story because it gave me hope even for my own life. The Bible tells us as he's beaten, bloodied, you know, bound, you know, blinded, the Philistine people, man, they, rock, they about to throw a party. We finally got this. Like, yo, we're we going to have a party at the mansion. Everybody's invited. And so here it is. Everybody's at the spot. They said thousands of them on top of the rooftop. DJ got the music going. They got liquor flowing. It's a party right now. And here's Samson down there. Bring him out. Bring out that Israelite who's been causing us all these problems. We're going to celebrate because our God is greater than his. But the Bible tells us that the hairs on his head began to grow back. You know, and you know, this is Rocky. When he's down on the ground, a little Tommy's about to head back to the limousine, and something just gave Rocky just enough to begin to get back up. And even us and all the sinning that we've been doing in our entire lives, all the times we've fallen short, he woke us up again. That's God's way of saying, and the hair began to grow back on your head. And I love this. Finally, for the first time in this narrative, Samson goes to God for something selfless. He says, Lord, please remember me. Please strengthen me only this once. All the other times, the other time he actually went to God, it was for something for himself. But in this moment, he's like, look, God, I just need your strength one time so I can finally do what you've created me for. And so the Bible tells you, he asks us, one of the, one of the slaves, like, oh, help me up, help me up. Put me up against one of the pillars. And so the slave picked him up, and here he is. He can't see anything. All he can hear is the music up there. Ooch, 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 ooch. They're out there partying. He's, he's leaning up against, you know, they listen to whatever music, whatever. And he leans up against the post, and, and he's able to grab the other, <laughs> the other post. <laughs> and in that one moment, he finally does something so selfless. The first time, the entire narrative, he finally does something for someone other than himself. The Bible tells us he pushes both of the pillars and everyone who was on the balcony, they all died in that particular moment, Samson along with them. He finally accomplished in his death what he couldn't do in his living. He answered the call. We're here right now by the grace of God. I don't know what yesterday looked like. I don't even know what this morning looked like for you. And maybe you were Samsoning earlier today, but here's the deal. Right now, we all have a choice we can make. The beauty is, if, as long as we're still breathing, I said it earlier, it means we have an opportunity to answer the call to purpose. We can finally live up to that call to be the light in a dark world. We can finally be the salt in this tasteless society. Understand this, salt in antiquity was used, what, to provide flavor? It was used to what? Also preserve meat. They have refrigerators and freezers. So you'd pack it in meat, and it would slow down the rotten, decaying process of the meat. We're called to be preservatives in this dying and decaying world. They also would take salt and mix it with honey, and they'd put it on a wound to heal it. We are called to be healers in a sick and dying world. And maybe to this point, all we've been doing is living life for ourselves. You know, hey, I'm just out here to get mine. 
I'm living my best life. Right? We all we care about is you know stacking paper, getting the house that we want. And none of us to this point have decided, hey, you know, I'm going to live for the one who's given me breath, the one who gave me life, but more importantly, the one who gave me eternity with the Father. The beauty is if you're here that you can still choose to answer the call. The bell hasn't rung yet. Now, some of us are like, yeah, but how, how will I know if I have that power to do the thing that God called me to? Well, that same power, that same spirit that kept leaping into Samson, the Bible tells us the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it's, it lies in you for those of us who were adopted into his kingdom. You have that power, and I want the power that our Jesus has. He has that power because, understand this, his life was a little bit like Samson, only in this particular sense. They all thought it was a wrap. You know, 2,000 years ago, all the Pharisees and the scribes and the Romans, man, they out there throwing a party. Finally, we're done with this nuisance. All of his followers, they're in mourning, they're weeping because they thought it was a wrap. But while everybody was celebrating, everybody else was crying, Jesus was saying, hold up, I ain't hear a bell ring yet. And the only reason I know this is because in Revelation chapter 1, Jesus says, I'm the first and the last, and I hold the keys to both death and hell. When everybody thought the game was over, when all hope was done, when the nuisance was finally put to bed, Jesus was down there, he's whipping tail. How do I know? Because the only way you're going to get the keys to my house, you got to come see me. There's going to be a scuffle. If you're going to brag, hey, I got the keys to Cook's house, you got to whoop Cook's behind. So Jesus saying, I have the keys to both death and hell. That means during them three days when everybody was partying and crying, he was down in business taking care of death, smacking it upside the head. He went to hell, kicked the doors open, and snatched his keys as well. That power that raised him from the dead, that's the power that's in you. And you have the ability to answer the call. The question is this. Yes, the bell hasn't rung yet. And you do have one more round. What will we do with it? Father, as we come to you right now, we thank you for the life lessons we get to learn from Samson. Lord, we even thank you for the fact that he showed us that in spite of his past, Lord, he still had an opportunity to answer the call. And while it may not take our lives to actually accomplish it, we can still answer the call today. There are some in here maybe who they've never accepted you as their Lord and Savior yet. And so they've been just doing their own thing and probably think this all hope is gone. Like God can never use me. He can never accept me. But the Bible tells us while we were sinners, Jesus came and died for us. While we were your enemies, he died, Lord. So allow them to recognize that the bell hasn't rung yet. And with this round, they can finally make that decision to accept Jesus as Lord. God, it'll be for their good, and it'll be for the good of those they love, Lord, and it'll be for your glory. And it's that that we pray and thank you in advance for in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.